0: This is Humans of Non-League, a podcast about the people who live and love football outside the spotlight. My name is Chris Nee, and this week's Human is a central defender who's graced some of London's biggest non-league clubs, and was signed by AFC Bournemouth at the age of 20. Mitchell Nelson is going strong at Cray Wanderers, where a second successive promotion was on the cards before the 2019-2020 season was curtailed. Mitch, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Chris.
0: My pleasure. Now, you've been with the Wands for a little while now, and things are clearly going well for the club. Where does the current group Rank amongst the teams that you've been a part of?
1: Do you know That's a good question because um, I've played in some and I, I get asked this a lot actually like on uh, you're having your beer and what are the best players you're playing with what about the best team and it's probably this team because I've had the most success and felt the most uh, settled and comfortable um, when I've been at a couple of pro teams and non-league teams um, I've played games here and there because I was quite young but this is the best team um, I don't know where it is because we're local, and I've got a better relationship with the lads. And I'm a, I'm a bit older now, so I'm a bit more chilled. But this, this is the best.
0: I ask all the central defenders this because I'm fascinated by central defenders. How would you describe your playing style?
1: I'd love to big myself up, but <laughs> 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 there's a few yellows and reds and pens in there.
0: <laughs> Combative.
1: Uh, I like a challenge. I do, you know, if if it's if it's there to be won, oh, I have to go for it because they're going to hurt me otherwise. So that's 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 how how I have it in my head. But as I've got older, I'm coming from Bournemouth and I'm now playing under Tony. I try and get it down and, and play. If, if anyone see me nine times out of ten, I probably kick it kick it off the pitch. But I do try, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I enjoy it. I'm not scared to do it. I'll... I could give the ball away a, a good few times, but I'll still go and get off the
0: keeper again. So if we skip right back to the start, where were you born? You are a Londoner. Yeah, I'm a Londoner. I, I, I
1: was born, I grew up in John Ruskin Street, just off of Wharf Road. So like in the Campbell area, on an estate called Brandon Estate. Bit bit, bit rough, but honestly, it moulded me. Because uh, playing over the park on that estate, you know, had to be tough, uh, it proper moulded me. Because then when I went to uh, Colchester as a Y.T. I was just uh, just throwing my body about and some of the youngsters couldn't handle it so yeah grew up in Camwell nice area now yeah not too bad Bit when uh, when I grew up there
0: so was that playing football all days of the week all weekend till the light went
1: every day rain snow ice everything on the concrete um, smashing up the leather balls um, you don't really see it that much anymore I don't really see many youngsters inside the cages but yeah that's where I kind of learned, learned my trade, playing against the older lot when I was a bit young.
0: What were you like at school?
1: <sighs> Good question. Um, so I went to I went a local school, Jomarski in my primary, and then I ended up going war secondary school. And um, I don't know what it was. Uh, when I got into the school, I weren't like a horrible naughty. I was just a bit mischievous. I liked to try and get away with things. I was a bit cheeky. I was a, I was a happy boy but I just felt like school wasn't enough for me um, like the the way I was learning weren't really like dynamic enough it was it was very all one way you learn this way or or not and I I just couldn't get with that if you know what I mean um, I wasn't stimulated so anyway cut a long story short I was naughty too many times uh, I got <laughs> permanently executed I, I had a really? bit of um, yeah madness with uh, another student it, it, it all could have went away if I had apologized because um, we had a bit of a falling out but I was a bit too stubborn, but honestly, it was the best thing that happened to me. I went to uh, a local organisation called FBMF. Um, it was called From Boyhood to Manhood. What a name. <laughs> <laughs> um but when I got when I got there, no disrespect to any of the guys that went there, but literally it opened my eyes. I was thinking, This is not for me. They're all they're all good lads, it was just yeah, not for me. I just, I just knew I didn't belong there. But their funding got cut. So, I went to another place after that called um, Willowbank PRU, like a pupil referral unit. And even when I got there, I was thinking, do you know what? Yeah, yeah, it it just wasn't me. And then it just put my mindset in a different place. And then I think when I was like 13 or 14, when I was there, I went and got myself a job at a a local tyre yard. And I was working underneath a guy called Costa, and he proper molded me, just gave me that um, discipline, if you know what I mean, to kind of stay away from the estate. And uh, the the bad guys, and then I, I kind of kicked on from there. Um, I kind of turned my back on the the street life a little bit. But yeah, it was a, it was a blessing for me. It was, it was it was really good for me.
0: Why him? You just connect with people, I suppose. it's Just sometimes you hit the right person at the right time, and it, it just works out for you.
1: He grew up in the same estate. He wasn't born in England. He was a he's a Greek guy, a Greek Cypriot guy. So he kind of I don't know why we we kind of understood each other because at times I felt a bit misunderstood. Uh, sometimes in and around the area, like young mixed race guy, mom, my my mum married a, a black guy quite quite young, so I didn't really have that kind of uh, family support. And um, in and around where I grew up, her family still lived, so there was a li- little tiny bit little yeah. racial tension. So I kind of, around that time, I kind of bonded with with him in terms of like appreciating myself where I was from, if you know what I mean, my background and stuff like that and um, he didn't take no rubbish from me man if I turned up late he was like no no I'm not having that docking you docking your wages yeah no he, he, he was good for me because I could relate to him a little bit
0: back on the football who do you support?
1: Manchester United yeah Giggs Beckham the legends yeah my mum loves them
0: who was the first United centre back that you sort of fell for?
1: I remember Pallister yeah Pallister um, was a good player and Bruce but um, they are a bit stiff, weren't they? So when uh, <laughs> Ferdinand Village come along, I was like, yeah, these are what? more my cup of tea.
0: So you were a trainee, as you've mentioned, at Colchester United. Tell us about how, how you ended up there. Who spotted
1: you? So obviously I was playing a bit of a Sunday league um, with a team from the estate, round 15. And um, I kind of, uh, it molded me a little bit into like a strong player I could, take tackles I throw my weight about and stuff like that and I was a young leaver from obviously the PRU um, I'm the youngest in my year so I left school at 15 I took a year out to have a little break and then I thought you know what I'm going to go to college and uh, study sport and then I enrolled to Lewisham College and um, playing with their team but I didn't really do do very well to be honest with you they were playing me midfield a little bit and then um, I went on a trial to graze for their under 18s and a lady saw me there Joanna, a bit of a scout, and she's like, Do you know what? you, you got something about you. I would have seen you a few more times. Turned into about 20, 30 trials. I went so many trials within that year and then went down there, had a, had a trial, and then, like, 45 minutes into the game, the head of the centre veteran just come up and said, no, I want to sign you. I was like, Phew. Nice stuff. Um, <laughs> I think it's because I smashed their, uh, their striker, their uh, prize possession. I absolutely ironed him out. And then, uh, I was like, yeah, on side. was like, okay, and then yeah, just went from there.
0: I've got to ask you this question because it's a bit of a, a meme amongst blokes of my age who we, we all used to tell people that we had trials here and there and everywhere, and we never actually did. What on earth does a trial look like? What happens when you go and have a trial at these places?
1: It's a nightmare, you know. You you turn up and there's so many guys, like so many, all in their, like um, kit that they've maybe been passed on by one of their mates that are professional, nice boots probably telling each other, yeah, I was here, I was this and that. I just want to turn up and do the business. But there's so many players. And then a coach comes over and says, what position? Da-da-da, da over da, da, blah, blah bang All right, you guys are in this team for the first 10, 15 minutes. Then he changes and tries to get everybody involved as, as much as he can um, in their preferred position if he can. Some of them won't even play in that, in, in their preferred position. So they're, they're at a loss already. They can't even do well. But it is manic. And you've got like literally 15, 20 minutes to showcase every bit of skill that you possess, every bit of footballing knowledge that the game allows you to show. It is proper tough and you've got to deal with the nerves and then just play your you're playing against as well.
0: So you survived that process. And then how often are you in Essex training and playing from that point as a teenager?
1: So I moved to Colchester to uh, when I was 17. Another godsend because I was kind of like mixing with a couple of the wrong guys again um, on the estate. And um, I met my, my, my Diggs, Diggs family and then, yeah, trained every day. Go in at early doors, maybe around 8, 8.30, do your jobs, like clean your professional boots, clean the hallways, wash the bottles and stuff like that. But I'm not too sure if them jobs exist. But yeah, we train every day. Sometimes we weren't even getting out of the stadium until like four or five o'clock.
0: Is this Layer Road at this point or have they moved?
1: Layer Road. Layer Road, what stadium? Very old, but... Like, I don't know, there's a lot of character. And the, the pitch was unbelievable. I think they won awards when uh, they got promoted to the championship for, for having the best pitch. And then my second year, I think it was 08, 09, they went into the um, community stadium.
0: Did you get some first-team involvement at Colchester?
1: Played a few cup games, like, you know, the Essex Senior Cup, you know, like the, yeah. the generic youngster games. Um, done well. Played all the reserve games, which are, what are they now, 123 <laughs> games or? Yeah. Literally played all of them. To be fair, with a lot of first team players, um, played a lot of games at left back, done quite well. Uh, Danny Granville got injured in training, and then I went in there, stepped in, there, done the job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now you you were obviously still a very young man when you left Colchester, so you, you rock up at, at Tooting and Mitcham shortly after that. Did you? You mm. must have still had that drive to to make it as a professional at that point.
1: Oh, do you know, funny you ask that. Like um, Lambert coming my last year Paul Lambert and he literally released everybody and um, I remember talking to my mum I was like oh, I don't know if I could do another year of that like, I'd done so I worked so hard and you know when you just graft and you, you think to yourself I'm working hard here am I ever going to get rewarded and uh, she was like you know what, 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 what just give it another go went down to two because I was going to sign for Histon they were in the conference Premier, but that was a long travel so I said let, let me stay local comfortable get as many games under my belt as I can to try and kick on again and that's when I i met vinesy yeah oh what a change! that was one of the best change rooms as well actually at two in the lads were unbelievable charlie vines dean hamlin uh legend bill and uh george looked after me man yeah
0: done really well your time there was enough to earn that next move we'll come on to that move in a bit of detail but how did you find that experience of of non-league on the pitch for really the first time We've already, we've spoken about that dressing room so many times already in like the first ten uh, episodes it's of this unbelievable show. Unbelievable dressing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> How about on the pitch because th- it's kind of new to you in a way, I suppose. Do you
1: know what? I properly got looked after. Like, um, it's like every single player looked after me. Like, I had their arm around me all the time. Like, especially Vandy, like playing next to him, the skipper, guiding me what to do, telling me what to do, watching what to do. Well fine. <laughs> <laughs> some of the things I saw well, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant player and character on the pitch unbelievable, Learned so much, he moulded me but yeah, every, everybody helped me and um, I quickly learned that um, I thought yeah, I can handle this because I was smashing people in Sunday League and stuff like that, It's another level people getting away with stuff, uh, doing stuff when the ref wasn't watching that's what I was trying to learn because I was getting a lot of yellows and a lot of reds so I needed to learn not to do it in front of the ref, but the level went up as well in terms of um, there's a lot of good players that dropped, dropped down into that level, but massive massive learning curve. But I, I picked up quite quickly, to be fair. Luckily,
0: there's some decent firepower in that squad as well. So you must have enjoyed smashing those boys in training as well.
1: Charlie Vines, he's hard to play against, you know. I bet he is. Um, yeah, and he uh, don't mess around. He's he's a he's, he's a professional playing non-league, and yeah, training against him was was good, to be fair. And uh Simon Parker. Yeah. Very tidy player. Chopped. So I had to learn not to go steaming in, otherwise I'll be be sending me uh, running down. But in the in the games, if we were struggling, we uh we knew Charlie Vines would just pop up with a goal anywhere. Like some of the angles he scored
0: was unbelievable. Did you overlap with Vinesy as a player at Cray as well, towards the end of his playing career? No
1: nah, He didn't. No, nah, no. Nah. Cause I even signed for Margate when um, they got the new owners in, but um, I think um, Vincy was moving on, moving on. Now I seem him at one training session, but we we had a nice little long chat, catch up and stuff like that. But he'd already gone after that. Um, but he was he recommended me to Tony for Cray because I was going to sign for someone higher. But he recommended me to Tony. I suppose Tony convinced me in that, and uh, and then he ended up joining assistant after
0: we get to the summer of 2010. You're back in the football league with AFC Bournemouth. They then came to Imperial Fields for a friendly, which I remember like it was yesterday. When did you first hear of that interest?
1: We had a game against Sutton, and I had quite a decent game against uh, Steve Watts. Well, you know, the big striker. Yeah. And he'd he come up to me after a game, and he mentioned that like he's, he's heard a few rumblings, that a couple of teams are watching me, but I'd never approached Vinesy or uh, Bill or anyone about it. And then I just carried on playing, and then we played them again. And he said, like, I know someone that can help you out and stuff and put you in touch. But I said, look, I just want to crack on with the season. And then towards the end of the season, I think Reddin mentioned something, Palace and Bournemouth. So Bill was talking to a lot of people from uh, Reading because they had that relationship with Michael Antonio.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: So I ended up going on trial down there. I'd done really well. Brian McDermott come and come and He said, that like, we're interested. Well, we like you, stuff like that. Keep training with us, so I had a few training sessions. But there was other teams at the game, like Palace and Bournemouth. And then I went on trial to Palace, played a few games to them, and they were like, Yeah, we're really interested, and stuff like that. Um, but and then Bournemouth said, Yeah, come down to us, um, we'll offer you a deal kind of straight away, kind of thing. And then uh, just kind of went from there. But I, but I didn't hear much interest throughout the season. I was trying to, I was just getting on with my football, to be fair.
0: Bournemouth's long journey upwards under Eddie Howard started at this point. How involved is he in, in the process of signing a 20-year-old defender from the ESPN?
1: So I went up and met him and Jason Tindall and they were showing me around and stuff, telling me what their future plans are, their ambitions and stuff like that. And I was like,
0: yeah,
1: I'm feeling this and they're quite young. So I was thinking I can relate. I just, anything I get involved in, I just want to get involved with someone that kind of understands me, I can relate to, I could get on with, it, if you know what I mean. Just make me feel comfortable and settled. And uh, yeah, yeah, he, he's proper involved. Like He's Really, really like hands on. Um, most of the training sessions, like he'd have me out early, have me out late, and then everybody just trying to sharpen up my game really.
0: Did he tell you what a good player he was?
1: No, no, he didn't. He was he so was a modest. Great player. He's so modest and chilled. And uh, but a lot of players did say if it wasn't for the injuries, but like, he was unbelievable. didn't he um, get a call up for like under twenty ones England or something like that, or under twenties. I yeah. think so. Yeah, but yeah, they mentioned he was a really good player.
0: Did you move to Bournemouth?
1: Yeah, I moved to Bournemouth. Whereabouts? Um, I moved to, I started at Westbourne and then Boscombe and I can't remember another place, but it was it was good. I enjoyed it down there, to be fair.
0: Was it an experience that you look back on fondly?
1: I loved it. I loved it because I was, what, 20? 19, 1920. I lived there until I was about 22. I went alone a few times, but at that age, you are kind of still grown up a little bit. And um, yeah, I enjoyed it, I enjoyed the beach. People, it was quite chilled. Nightclubs were good.
0: Go on, name names. <laughs>
1: Preval was good. Elika, uh oh, it was unbelievable. And Aruba, Aruba was good. Right next to the beach,
0: on the pier. <laughs> <laughs> Those loan spells. That was Eastbourne Borough, Lincoln City. Yeah. How did you get on? Was that that was national league level, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I done at the end of my first or second season, I'd done a month or two at Lewis as well. Okay. And then Conference South, but the Conference Prem was I loved it. The crowds. Like, the level of players, like, I think the teams in the National League have changed a bit now because there's a lot more of the London clubs, but there were so many Northern clubs up in Conference Premier, like, six foot two, six foot three in, like, literally every position, just battling it out. It was a good learning curve for me.
0: Would you do anything different about those few years?
1: There are, there are a few things. I, I I wish I would have sacrificed more. For me to have gone further, I would have had to have sacrificed more, but now I'm in a position now, like, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't because I'm in a... A good position in life, if you know what I mean. Like, I'm in a happy, happy, in hindsight.
0: After leaving Bournemouth, you had a couple of years at Eastleigh, yeah, and then yeah. played for Sutton United and a load of massive non-league names: Margate, Dulwich Hamlet, yeah, Welling United, Tonbridge Angels. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of years all in one. Can you pick highlights out of that little period?
1: Okay, there's there's a few different ones. Um, Eastleigh, we uh, we won the Hampshire Senior Cup. That was good at St Mary's. I scored and uh, got little assist in the final. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, that, that was a good experience. Um, uh, but we got beaten in the playoffs. So that was a bit of a shame in the semi-finals. Sutton, I, I left just before the playoffs to go. Margate. Margate was a, was a tough one because I was still trying to get, get settled in, but then I, I had a bad injury. So I was out for the whole year next year, which we got promoted. I played that like, three games at the end. Um, then I went to Dulwich. Dulwich, the, the highlights were the crowds like 2,500 every Saturday, like singing, everybody getting on with each other, having a beer. That was really good. And the food after the game. That was lovely. Um, welling, was, welling was tough because I come I come back from my knee for about, I was 13 months out. I played full season for Dulles, nearly every game. And I didn't really have much of a rest in, in pre-season. And I went straight into Welling. And literally, I was having a shocker. I was playing so badly. Like, my form was... <laughs> they must have thought who was this guy kicking off the pitch. I was giving away pens. Yeah, I ne- I needed a break. I should have had a break that preseason, and then I had two weeks off. And literally, it was a godsend. And then I signed for Tunbridge, and uh, done quite well. Um, Tunbridge was good because I got to work with um, with Macker again, uh, Steve McKim, good coach, unbelievable man. That mm. very loyal, very honourable, like proper looks after you, like his peoples, like. His, mm. Really, really good guy. And then I come to Cray. Really positive, man. It's moulded me a little bit as well. I got married and had my kids while I was there. So I lent on a lot of people there. Do you know what I mean? Which was good.
0: So if you take Tony out of the equation, tell us some of the gaffers that you've played with since leaving Bournemouth. Some big non-league names there as well, I imagine.
1: Mark Beard. He's a character, man. (laughs) Yeah, he
0: is. (laughs) He
1: used to train with us, yeah, easily. He was unbelievable. He was so good. But he's so competitive. Proper used to get involved like. Talking like smashing some of the players and like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doswell Paul's, D- Doswell was interested to play for. Yeah, he's. I got on with him. Uh, good guy. My old Eastleigh manager, uh, Richard Hill. <laughs> Me and him had a proper love and hate relationship, but lovely, lovely geezer. Like we used to clash a little bit in the changing rooms, but um, lovely guy. Interesting to play for. Um, I didn't really have a good time at Welling, so it's hard to comment. Like there was a few people there, like Mark Goldberg. And I think Phil bad had done a little bit of coaching. Gavin, I knew Gavin Gavin Rose from when I was a young boy from around the era. He really looked after like the lads around South London. Proper, proper footballing guy like and then Tony. <laughs> yeah, T- Tony and Vinesy, like they're good because I can I can relate to them. Like me and me and Tony clash now and then like we have words, but we're so respectable with each other, like huge personalities. Um but yeah, no, there's some good managers in there, really good managers.
0: What is it about non league football that keeps you interested in playing all these years on. Do you
1: know what the difference is when I was professional, the change room there was um like a lot of people were, like living up to a certain status, but pretentious, a bit stiff. Like no I'm relaxed, having a good time. I think that's why I didn't last there, because I was more relaxed. I was a boy from 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 the streets. I didn't really have that in me, do you know what I mean? and um, when I went to non league, it was just all your people is just real. Change rooms are camaraderie. And there's a lot more real life things happening, like real life troubles that you can kind of deal with in the in the change room and talk to mates about and be open.
0: You must have young players now looking up to you in the way that you would have looked up to Vines in two
1: thousand and ten. I am a bit of a moaner on the pitch now, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm always barking orders. But there's there's one player that i really I really get on with but he'd probably tell you I'll drive him crackers. Me and him share lifts to the game. Ben Mandele, unbelievable player. I don't know if you've heard of him or seen him play. I don't know him. Good, good right back. I'm always in his ear. I hope he looks up to me, uh, but I just try and give him as much advice as I can, even when he's not asking for it. So I like to think a lot of people, young lads, look up to me. Vinesy and Tony tell me I'm a bit of an influence on the lads. They try to tell me just to be a little bit careful what I do sometimes. I do influence them, they say.
0: You must take some pride in that. Do you know what I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: do. I enjoy it. <laughs> but it's it's tough, you just gotta be so careful because nowadays, like uh I had it when I was in school, you can't be the same way with every player. I think you've got to tailor it a little bit a bit more. Different young lads have got different needs, different ways they, they uh take things in and stuff like that. So I just gotta be a bit careful.
0: Have you got a particular centre back partner that you play with most of the time?
1: Jay leader legend yeah any good unbelievable player <laughs> he's so good he makes me look good sometimes but we we complement each other well like um i'm a bit more uh, tough tackling and and raw and a bit more of a brute Although i can play play still but he's so elegant that like, silky like rarely loses the ball but still defends well and he's big it's so weird that his ball control at his feet for such a tall guy and um Really a humble, unbelievable player. Like a really legend of a guy. Good relationship with him.
0: I ask this question of a lot of players, particularly defenders, but I think it's interesting with a, a, a pro background as well whether you've got a different answer to to what they would say. Who are the best defenders you've played with? Are they people who you've been able to knock around with in non-league or are they people with a, more of an academy background at, at pro level? It's a tough
1: position. Vinesy uh, and Jay Leader is one of them. But I played with... I played with a centre back at Bournemouth called Baudry, um, French French guy. I Still talk to him now, like one of my close pals. He he should have gone even higher, but injuries have hampered him. He had an academy academy background, and uh, I think he's at, yeah he's at Swindon now, and um, he's done well. But I've noticed the spine the spine of a football team tends to have some sort of a, a, academy kind of uh, pro influence on their career. Like they've, they've experienced it a little bit. And in the wider areas, uh, heavily non-league influenced, if you know what I mean. You do get some center arsenal strikers that come straight from, from non-league, but it's tough to get that footballing knowledge and um, experience at academy level because you're not playing that physical game, if you know what I mean. That, that position needs you to, to have, if you know what I mean.
0: I've seen West Brom and Birmingham academy teams and under-18 mm. teams come and play a step five team in the Birmingham Senior Cup. They're clearly excellent technical footballers, even at that young age. But it's also a bit of an awakening when they play in this competition where they go through two, three, four non-league teams who will kick them in the air.
1: The the ones that have got that maybe Sunday league or non-league experience are normally the ones that kind of take instruction from the manager well and last longer. But the other academy ones have got potential to, to go higher, if, if you know what I mean.
0: How about forwards? Who are the big names you played against?
1: I remember playing against uh, in a preseason game for Bournemouth uh, Pavlichenko holy moly he was unbelievable like on TV you might think yeah they had good players but to see him up close and in personal unbelievable in training Teddy Sheridan when I was at Colchester unbelievable that like, good knowledge of the game
0: I'm sure you've got a few years left in you yourself as well but when the time does come to stop playing will you be looking to go into coaching or are you going to be focusing more on a sort of fitness project
1: yeah <sighs> probably fitness i love my fitness
0: so you're a pt and lifestyle coach is that roughly yeah. speaking the right sort of area
1: yeah 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 and uh, i've done my um my uh, sports therapy as well i do, do a bit of massages and so on um look after people but I, i'll definitely put a bit more time into it as time goes on because obviously my career that i do now and the kids are a bit young I've got as much time to tackle it as, as well as I, I would like but that would definitely be the future and then if if that guides me to football I'd, I'd love to to do it in a football background
0: Do you think non-league football is getting more scientific in that regard?
1: 100% you've got to think all the good players are filtering down and they have needs there's probably a lot more pressure on managers and the teams and clubs to get their points so they're going to do everything they can to get them Like we have video sessions and We've had yoga teachers in, finds he gets a lot of data. He's really into data and stuff like that. So he gets a lot of that stuff in. So it is filtering down. Probably some of the stuff that I've seen some of the clubs doing online and that that non league clubs are better than some of the pro pro clubs I've seen do some of that stuff.
0: I think we'll leave it on that bright note for the future, Mitch. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, Chris, nice one. Thank you.
0: If you've enjoyed meeting Mitchell Nelson, there's plenty more where that came from. Don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Humans of Non League is a Sphinx Football Production. Thank you for listening.